When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up. Get your sorry ass up. Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. I ain't never seen, I ain't never seen you before, huh? Man, go tell the coach you need some help. We gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. We welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter, and you can find me, your host, Matt Bruning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo, Dwayne McFarlane, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others. And you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the best NFL, baseball, and basketball stats, and college football as well, which is the biggest one for me. It is hard to find college football stats. They have some of the best stats, advanced stats, for all of these sports for just $15 a year. You can get a membership to that, and if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of that. If you follow me on Twitter and you see all the college football stuff I post, the Dominator ratings, touches, red zone touches, big play percentages, all of that comes from this website. If you want to get an advanced analytical look at some of these prospects coming out in next year's draft, I'm telling you this site alone is worth it for just that. And again, it's just $15. And if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you get 10% off of that. I promise you, you will not be disappointed with the website. I used, got my money's worth out of it in 10 minutes on that website. It is worth it. Definitely check it out. You guys will not be disappointed. For today's episode, I've got Matt Fox back with me again as we usually do on Tuesdays. We're going to finish breaking down the rest of the week 15 matchups and talk about different stuff with Star Wars as that's a big thing coming out this week. Cannot wait, you guys. Matt, a big Star Wars fan as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that here in the intro and then we're going to jump in and finish breaking down the week 15 matchups. Hello! And it's Tuesday, and we've got Mr. Matthew Fox back with us today. Matt, how was your weekend, and how was your Monday and Tuesday, or your Tuesday so far, since I guess it is still technically Tuesday? Technically, I guess it still is. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it was a pretty good weekend, just enjoying a white week before Christmas here and counting down the hours until I can see Star Wars. Oh, I know. So, okay, we're, we'll dive into fantasy in a minute. We got to talk about this because I actually still have. I have to watch the last two episodes of Mandalorian. I have not had a chance to watch them yet. When are you going to see Star Wars this weekend? I'm going on Friday morning in oh XD. Gosh. I wish I could go Friday morning. I was uh, so because I'm stupid. I thought I bought my tickets for Saturday morning and I accidentally bought them for Sunday morning. So I have to try and go 2 days without any kind of spoilers or anything so that I can go see it Sunday because I don't I can't get the tickets refunded at this point and down here almost all the good theaters it's been sold out for weeks and I didn't even realize yeah. it when I bought the tickets like I was talking to my wife about it, and I was like, all right, so we're going at this time, and I showed her the ticket. She's like, you mean we're going Sunday, right? I'm like, no, we're going Saturday. She's like, but the tickets say Sunday, and I'm like, oh, son of a – so, yeah, we're, we're going Sunday. Yeah. So I, I'm going to do my that best was... to avoid everything I can until Sunday morning. Well, you might as well try to put blocks in right now because they did the critic screening and the premiere screening and the audience screenings uh-huh. last night. I've been trying to avoid Twitter a lot. It's hard, you know – we have our group chats uh, on Twitter. I've just been trying to open it and go straight to messages and not look at anything else because right. I'm afraid some some wiener is going to put some kind of plot <sighs> I know. details. I saw they already started releasing 
reviews and stuff but i'm like you i bought my tickets in september i've just been kind of biding my time as soon as they opened i was you know we i have a work thing on thursday night my wife had actually offered to go to a thursday night opening i'm like no i have to work late to like eight or something that you know at night because we have a night thing and i'm like i want to go when i'm awake and ready to go so we're going at 11 30 in the morning on friday because i'm off and uh looking forward to it yeah i just i need you to send it to me how good it's going to be i I know you won't ruin anything for me i I did actually put some of the blocks in on twitter as well because i think i told you about this uh i actually had endgame ruined for me for the most part because i was on twitter and obviously i was going to see it very early saturday morning and I wasn't really thinking about it at all, and I did. I put the blocks in and everything. I, I don't know if you knew about this. I know Matthew Barry went off on the big thing about it, but because Shady McCoy ruined it. Yeah, McCoy ruined it. Yeah, he wrote it to where Iron Man did not pop up because he spelt it wrong, or he spelt Tony Stark wrong. I can't remember which one. So I was just scrolling through my news feed because, again, I had the blocks in, so I wasn't thinking anything of it. And then I see on there – Tony Stark dies at the end, and I, I was just – I was defeated. I, I felt so bad. Yeah. I was like, if I ever see you, I'm going to punch you in the throat because, like, it just – it ruined – I mean, it still was a dramatic moment, and the and the movie still lived up to it. But knowing that ahead of time just kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, I think we all suspected it, but having it confirmed <laughs> and, and put out yeah. there, that was another one. I, I bought my ticket, and we went at, like, 10 a.m. On, a fri- on the Friday it opened because any more with – with these you have to be careful even the week in advance even though all those you know i saw mark hamill um i he is a great follow if you like star wars you should be following yes. him on social media he he released a couple of uh, his favorite star wars memes and let me just say there's one with uh yoda and a lightsaber reference that uh made me laugh for a long time but <laughs> hamill went on there and said hey we're starting our screenings Please, 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 if you get a chance to see this movie early, do not post anything about the plot. Do not ruin the experience for all the people that are so excited to participate in this. And I thought, you know, it's sad that it's come to that, that you just have to beg people to actually have some decency. Yeah, it is sad, man. I don't I don't understand what enjoyment people get out of that by ruining that for people. It, it's ridiculous. I know, like I said, that's one of the things that sucks because I do so much college football talk on Twitter. I, I know I know you know because you follow me, all the stuff I put on there. And there's some actually very interesting bowl games and everything going on this weekend. And, like, I'm afraid to get on there and talk about anything because I just don't want anything to get spoiled for me. So it's well, going to be sports is the same way almost. You know, I, I know I've told you that I work – uh, a lot of times on Sundays because yeah. I work for a church. And so I always am recording the Broncos game and just trying to stay off. Like I won't actually look at my fantasy scores for a long time in the yeah. afternoons because I'm afraid of seeing something. And, you know, no matter how, how much you try to dodge the news, somehow it still comes to you. That game where uh, Denver was playing Minnesota, I was way behind live watching it on recording. And I had just finished halftime. We were up 20 to nothing. And my boss texted me, well, real sorry about that ending. I'll try to cheer you up tomorrow. And I was like, oh, I take it we lost. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do the same thing really with uh... – the. Well, I, I mean, I watch the Browns game, obviously. Most of the time, I am home in the morning, so I get to watch all of that stuff. But I'm with you on the fantasy scores thing. I never check. I don't check my fantasy scores till the afternoon games are about to be wrapped up as we're leading into yeah. Sunday night. And then I'm kind of like, all right, let's look now because – I used to be There's that nothing person. nothing you can do about it at exactly. the time except for feel bummed out anyway. Exactly. And that's what always would happen to me. On those weeks that I would lose and stuff was going wrong for me, I'd just get pissed off. And then I'd be watching Red Zone harder and be like, no, no, I need you to do this for this person. It just ruins the whole weekend. So, Or at least the whole Sunday experience. So now, I mean, the Browns have really kind of been ruining my Sunday experience anyways lately. But uh, I, I do like to enjoy <laughs> just sit back, watch the games, watch Red Zone when I can, and, and enjoy it. And then... I'll look at my scores and figure out how everything is going. But this is a very long-winded way of getting to the rest of the games for Week 15. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump in there, and we'll we'll finish recapping the games that I did not get to yesterday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. If you got your popcorn ready. I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Oh, they tackle him at the point of Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! 
All right, we're going to kick it off with your Denver Broncos going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos losing this one 3-23, not the way I expected it to go. I imagine you didn't expect it to go that way either. Drew Locke you know, had been playing well here the past couple weeks. I thought he'd have a good game here. He goes 18-40, 208 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. To come in at QB 30 with 7.6 points. Royce Freeman, RB 47 with 4.6 points. 12 yards on 5 carries, but adds 14 yards on 4 catches. Phillip Lindsay, 32 yards on 7 carries, does nothing in the passing game. To come in RB58 with 3.2 points. Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant are, are the best receiving options here. Sutton, 79 yards on 4 catches. To come in at wide receiver, 41 with 9.9 points. And Fant, 56 yards on 2 catches to come in at tight end, 18 with 8. Or, I'm sorry, 6.6 points. So give me your breakdown on the Broncos game, as, as we've talked about before. You always watch these games. What did you see from the uh, from the Broncos offense here in what was looked like a blizzard from the times that I was seeing that game on Red Zone? Yeah, and can I just say I'm so grateful you didn't touch on this uh, yesterday so that I wouldn't miss this opportunity to relive the horror of my Sunday. You know, I thought about it, but I was like, you know what? I, I didn't know <laughs> what you wanted to talk about, and I, I feel your pain because I was like, you know what? I don't want to have to relive the Brown stuff, so I'm just going to get my stuff <laughs> out of the way in that episode and be done with it. Yeah, I I mean, I had hoped Denver was going to put up a, a better showing. Kansas, you know, if we're being real, Kansas City's a better team. Denver has had a lot of injuries the last few weeks, particularly on defense that has eroded some of the depth on the front line. You know, Derek Wolf was having a career year. He's gone for the season. Um, you know, we've had uh, several of our linebackers hurt and knocked out. Some other defensive linemen hurt and knocked out. They were so low on the defensive line, they had to sign two people uh, and activate them to the active roster, and both were active uh, playing on defense. And we're a 3-4 defense, so you only have four or five defensive linemen active on game days anyway, right. so that kind of tells you, um, you know, where they were at with with depth and everything, and Snow shouldn't be a factor for a team that calls Colorado home. Um, I was, you know, I think they just kind of got out of it early uh, in that their the defense couldn't really stop Kansas City and they were steadily moving, so they weren't able to run. I had thought it was going to be a good Philip Lindsay game. You know, Philip Lindsay's a local kid, grew up here, has played a lot of Colorado snow games, uh, and I, you know, he looked pretty good when he was running um you know 4.6 yards per carry they just really didn't run the ball that much uh their offense didn't look terrible it just didn't do anything couldn't sustain drives um Noah Fantsman banged up he had a a hip and an ankle injury that he played through coming in and then he hurt his shoulder on his long 43 yard bomb he kind of got driven into the ground it was questionable whether he was going to come back wasn't really a factor after that um and Kansas City's defense did a nice job. They were fired up. I think there will be better days. Drew Locke still only his third start. He's still right. running. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, you know, people noted that he got sloppy and got intercepted a couple times at the end. Denver was way down at that point. He was was trying to force the ball, trying to make something happen. I don't really fault him for that. I think we've seen better veteran quarterbacks do the same thing as the game kind of gets more out of control. It just, you know, it wasn't a good day. Um, I don't think this, this only becomes such a big surprise because of what they saw in Houston, but it's hard uh, to really forget that what happened in Houston was a massive surprise. I thought they yeah. were going to lose that game. I thought they'd look a lot like they did on Sunday when they went to Houston and they didn't. And that kind of gave some big hope, but they just, they couldn't translate it. They closed with two home games against Detroit and against Oakland, kind of excited to see this young offensive core, see what they can do, see if they can build some momentum. Everybody's really auditioning, you know, basically for next year. Yeah. Uh, so, it wasn't a good game, but it didn't deflate me, I guess, is what I would say. 
Yeah, I mean that's those are two really good opponents in the season on too with uh, with uh, Oakland and Detroit both defenses that you can pass and run on. So it'll be interesting to see what Locke does with them. Uh, the one thing I'll say on the Texans game, I, I don't want to say this in any way taking anything away from Denver because they did go in there and beat up on Houston. But a lot of people are talking about how could Houston get beat like that. I think some of it comes off just the emotional victory they had over the Patriots the week before. I mean, nobody expected them to go in and beat New England. They have not really done that. I think Bill O'Brien has lost every single matchup but one maybe to to Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So for them to go in there and pull that off Sunday night, they probably did kind of overlook the Broncos a little bit. And the Broncos came in and punched them in the mouth. They deserved that win. They came in there and beat them up. But I do think that might have had something to play into it as well in that in that matchup. Let's see here. Uh, Patrick Mahomes had a good game uh, here in the in the blizzard. 27-34, 340 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception to come in at QB5 with 23.7 points. Spencer Ware, the best running back on the day with uh, 4.5 points, comes in at RB49, 26 yards on seven carries, adds nine yards on two catches. Travis, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill go off in this one, though, as they tend to against all defenses. Kelsey, 142 yards on 11 catches to come in as tight end one with 19.7 points. And Tyree Kill, wide receiver nine with 21.3 points, 67 yards, five catches, and two touchdowns. I mean, it was one of the things I will say, and they did bring it up in the broadcast as I was listening to it, is that those kind of matchups, regardless of, of, you know, Kansas City is used to the snow, obviously playing in Kansas City as well, and so should Denver. But it does lend more to the offenses because what they talked about, one of the Tyreek Hill's touchdowns is the uh, Tyreek Hill knows where he's going every single play. The defensive back doesn't, and with the, the speed that Tyreek Hill has and playing in those kind of elements, it does kind of lean more toward the offenses. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all that Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs were able to put up points here and score. And I think moving forward, it's really just Kelsey, Mahomes, and, and Hill for me. They have the Bears this week, which should be a tough matchup. And in all honesty, if you if you play into Week 17, the Chargers, which has a very good pass defense as well, with that being said, I still think you can play those three and be fine. The running backs are completely out of the picture for me. Are you on that same page? Yeah, uh, I completely agree. I had seen a lot of people that talked about being regretful that they sat Mahomes against that defense. I was kind of surprised about that. Even as a Broncos fan, I recommended playing him. That interception he had yeah. was a fantastic play if you if you saw it from Justin Simmons, who came from the opposite side of the field and slid on the snow and just grabbed it right in front of Tyreek Hill. Okay. Or else that would have been a third touchdown for Hill. So that was that was kind of luck. Mahomes looked great. He was able to move the ball and sustain you know at will. Uh, Kelsey and Hill looked great. Uh, you know, those three, I think, are locks. If you were going to have a receiver opposite those guys go off, I would have thought it would have been yesterday because we've seen receivers opposite the number one do well against Denver. But we, you know, we didn't see it for either Houston or Kansas City. You know, Watkins three for 49 was okay, but nothing special. So I, I would, there is no one to start. And the running game is just. Is terrible. There were 21 yeah. carries by running backs on Sunday, and they were pretty evenly split among three guys, eight, seven, and six, with Darwin Thompson having the most kind of later in the game. He looked okay on a few plays, but nothing incredible. Ware got a bunch of run, nothing incredible. McCoy seemed to get a lot of run early in the game, you know, did hardly anything with it other than one run. Nobody's got a decent enough share of run and pass to be considering uh, using them, and no one is efficient enough on limited carries or explosive enough on limited carries for you to feel good about putting them in, especially, you know, week 16 is going to be a championship round for anyone that has anything meaningful going. Yeah, sticking in the uh, the AFC West here, Oakland in their final game in the black hole gives up a 16-3 lead and loses to the Jaguars 20-16. to uh, Not a great way to end the game, and in all honesty, not great with the way the fans and everything reacted at the end. We can touch on that at the end. On Jacksonville's side here, Gardner Minshew continues to be their starter. He goes 17-29, 201 yards and two touchdowns, adds 27 yards on the ground. To come in at QB 13 with 18.7 points, Leonard Fournette struggles again, 42 yards on 15 carries, just 31 yards on five catches, comes in as RB 26 with 9.8 points. Uh, we knew that um, 
Chark was going to be out coming into this matchup. If you listen to the podcast on Friday, I actually said Chris Conley was going to be the better play than Westbrook because I thought they'd show all their attention to Westbrook. If you started Conley, he came through for you. Two touchdowns on four catches and 49 yards. Wide receiver 12 with 18.9 points. They have got the Falcons, which is a team that can be beat through the air and on the ground uh, in Week 16. And then the Colts, which despite what we saw Monday night, is still a very good defense. If we do know Chark is going to be out again this week, I imagine you're still playing Fournette based on what he's done all season long. But who are you playing at wide receiver going up against the Falcons? Well, probably Conley and Westbrook would be okay plays against the Falcons, depending on what other options you have. You know, it's hard to imagine somebody that's relying on either of those receivers is in the championship game. Um, but, you know, like what you said, the Falcons, the only thing that scares me with the Falcons is the Falcons have been a Jekyll and Hyde team at times uh, this season where, you know, sometimes they're a revolving door and everybody has passing success against them. And But they've had a few games where they've just destroyed the opposition and held held the offensives down and there doesn't seem to be a lot of rhyme or reason to that. This game for Jacksonville was supposed to be a good offensive one. I saw a lot of people on the Gardner Minshew train saying, start him, stream him. He ends up salvaging the stay with a pretty epic fourth quarter. But for most of this game, if you were playing anyone from Jacksonville, you regretted all your life decisions that led to that point in time. Uh, So even even against Atlanta, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many people riding key pieces of the Jacksonville offense had success uh, in the fantasy playoffs outside of Shark anyway. So, yeah, hard to, hard to say. Yeah, I mean, Fournette's been down the past three, four weeks. I mean, that Atlanta can be run on a little bit, uh, so maybe Fournette bounces back here, but I'm – it's going to be interesting to, to see what I guess they do. I was one of those people who did think Minchie was going to have a good game as well. Like I said, I was I was big on Conley, uh, not as big on Westbrook, but I think Chark just brings a completely different dynamic, and I wouldn't imagine he plays anymore this season. So yeah. you might be right. I think you have to play Fournette just based on draft value, what he's been all season long. But he, as I said, three down weeks in a row here. I don't. If you did survive this week, I don't know how great you feel going in the championship match of playing him now. On, uh, on Oakland's side here, Derek Carr, 22-36, 267 yards and a touchdown. Comes in as QB 21 with 15.9 points. Josh Jacobs does play, has a decent day, a decent day. 89 yards on 24 carries, 20 yards on two catches. Comes in as running back 21 with 11.9 points. Tyrell Williams finds the end zone again in this one. Uh, this two weeks in a row, he's had good games. 45 yards on two catches and one touchdown. Comes in as wide receiver 33 with 11.5 points. And Darren Waller continues to be a good tight end again. Tight end four with 16.2 points, 122 yards on eight catches. Before we get into what happened at the end of the game, um, assuming I, I would assume Jacobs plays next week. I was a little bit worried, obviously, him coming in with that, with that fractured shoulder. Uh, but he did play. They are going up against the Chargers. Can be run on a lot more than they can be thrown on. Uh, so I would trust playing Jacobs. And even though Williams has been good the past couple weeks, I'd still keep him on my bench. But I would play Waller. Who would you play for Oakland moving into that championship round? Yeah, I think Waller and Jacobs are probably your only considerations. Jacobs still gives me a little bit of a moment of pause because I would say that Jacksonville at home should have been a pretty decent matchup, and he certainly got the volume with 24 carries, just not um, a lot of production, only 3.7 yards per carry. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little bit concerning. The Chargers have a somewhat decent defensive front. They are going to be at home. Um, and the Raiders have been very woeful on the road. They're five and three at home. Um, you know, should, should probably be six and two if we're being honest at home, but they are only, uh, one and five so far on the road. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup since, uh, the Chargers don't really have much of a home field advantage whatsoever, but, uh, you know, division game, tough to say. Waller has been pretty solid at a position, um, that's in flux. Jacobs, has had a very fine rookie season. I think he's held up 
uh, better than some of us expected based on his, yeah. his more limited college usage and making that transition to just getting pounded every week, but maybe a little bit of the byproduct of a 3.7 yard per average carry against a defense that was shelled the last couple of weeks is an indication that he's hitting a little bit of that rookie wall, still dealing with a little bit of a shoulder injury as well. Yeah, the one thing I'll say on Jacobs is I have to admit that I was wrong on him. I I did not think he would have that good of a season coming in uh, based on, as you mentioned, the limited college career. The guy I was on, Miles Sanders, and I do feel like Miles Sanders has proven me right now at this point. I mean, he is actually only sitting... What is it? Uh, 19 points behind Jacobs right now, and that was with him literally being a kickoff returner and just a limited receiving back for like the first five weeks, six weeks of the season. And then he missed one game as well. Jacobs did miss a game, obviously, last week with the injury, but the fact that Miles Sanders has come on gangbusters the way that he has, I think, proves that he was the more talented back. I I am glad I was able to get him. The only real miss uh, in terms of uh, of expectation versus reality among rookies has seemingly been David Montgomery, which yeah. I can't tell if it's talent or situation. I feel like it's situation because all of the Bears' offense has looked massively dysfunctional, but it certainly seemed like Montgomery was going to have a perfect opportunity, and he has – as the season gone along, gotten more work, but he hasn't been able to make as much of it as people yeah. like Jacobs or Sanders. So that's that's probably been the big miss going through this season. Yeah, I agree with you. That was Dennis's guy, and I had him above Jacobs as well. I won't say that I didn't. For me, it was Sanders, Montgomery, Jacobs, uh, and I almost had Jacobs a little bit split away from those top two. I, I would say, for me, it's more... Game plan and coaching for Montgomery, um, and I do think Tariq Cohen hurts him a lot as well. If you go back and look at his college career, he was he's a decent runner. He's not running away from anybody, power runner, but his biggest thing was what he does in the receiving game. Well, he loses all of that work to Tariq Cohen almost 90% of the time. So that's where a lot of us thought he was going to get a lot of fantasy value from, and I don't think as long as Tariq Cohen's there, he's going to get that, unfortunately. So I think it's going to end up being... Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs being by far the best backs of this class. Uh, let's see here. Who we got next? Minnesota and the Chargers. Wow, was this not an uh, interesting game at all. So Minnesota wins 39-10, mostly due to the fact that Phillip Rivers uh, turned the ball over, what, I think, three, four times. I know they had seven turnovers altogether. Just uh, ridiculous here. Melvin Gordon, two fumbles. Rivers had a fumble. Hunter Henry had a fumble. And then three interceptions for Rivers. Just a bad day against a very good defense. Kirk Cousins, though. 19-25, 207 yards, one touchdown, and one interception in this one to come in as QB26 with 12.7 points. Dalvin Cook gets injured early in this one. Hurts his shoulder again. Finishes the day's RB52 with 5.8 points. Just 27 yards on nine carries. Added 16 yards on three catches. Mike Boone comes in, gets two touchdowns, 56 yards on 13 carries. Uh, There has been news that came out today that Mike Zimmer is saying Dalvin Cook is fine, should be able to play this week. I mean, I guess we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I know. Uh, Let's see here. Who am I thinking? Who am I missing? Diggs, 76 yards on four catches in this one to come in as wide receiver 40 with 10 points. So, I mean, Cook, that, that's going to be the biggest question. If you were able to survive Week 15, which if you were, bravo on you, because a lot of people have been riding Dalvin Cook all season. He's had a couple bad weeks in a row here. Mostly, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, was due to the injury, in my opinion. I don't. You have to roll him out there in Week 16. I don't know how you can. If they say he's going to play, you have to roll him out there, but I don't know how you feel comfortable with that. No, you, you can't feel comfortable with that. It's a, I feel like we're... A little bit too in the situation we were in with uh, James Conner. Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's had this injury recur a couple of times. Uh, he looked to be in massive pain when they carried him out. You know, maybe you can go through the week. You can you know not take any hits. You can feel better. I I'm wouldn't. I'm not saying I don't believe that he's possibly going to be active and try. Is he going to be what you thought uh, that you were getting with Dalvin Cook? That would be my hesitation, especially this is not an easy matchup. They're playing Green Bay. Both teams hate each other. Both teams have a ton to play for. I mean, Green Bay can lock up 
a first round bye pretty much if they can get a win there. They take the division and everything. And Minnesota, you know, still has a lot to play for, trying to hang on, trying to better their seed, trying to stay away from you know, whoever gets to be the, the five seed in the NFC gets the NFC East team at home. And yeah. you'd much rather play them than <laughs> yeah. possibly going to New Orleans to open the playoffs or going to Green Bay to open the playoffs or going to Seattle or San Francisco. I mean, you're trying to stay away from them in a wild card round if you can. So still tons to play for. Just, I don't, you know, I'm with you. You have to play Cook because of his talent and what he's been. But how good are you feeling about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess if we're all being honest, we all hope Mike Zimmer comes out and says that he's not going to play or he's too banged up. But I imagine, as you just pointed out, as much as this matchup means for both teams, if if Cook can even give it a shot, they're going to throw him out there. And unfortunately, as a fantasy owner, you're going to have to throw him out there too and just hope for the best. So. I think best news available would be something happens. I don't wish injury on anybody, so I'll throw that out there because some people might misconstrue this. You hope he gets some kind of setback and like, all right, we're riding with Mike Boone because at that point you know, hey, I can pick up Mike Boone and I'm good to go, especially if Alexander Madison is going to continue to be out. If Madison is questionable again too, and I think that might actually be playing even more into Minnesota wanting to push and have – cook try to go because it's not even like you know we've seen madison have some great games spelling cook and and coming in for him throughout the season the fact that he's questionable and arguably a less good shot at playing is probably why they're like dalvin man if you can do it you know because they don't want to go into green bay with mike boone as their number one option all credit to mike boone for having a decent day on sunday but you know, I that's not what Minnesota wants to be hinging their <laughs> their hopes on. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, with the with the loss here for the Chargers, they are eliminated officially here. Phillip Rivers, as I said, just continues that fall off a cliff here this season. Twenty eight of thirty nine, three hundred and seven yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Comes in at QB twenty four with thirteen point three points. Austin Eckler, RB twenty eight with nine point six points. 19 yards on 7 carries, at 62 yards on 5 catches. Melvin Gordon, RB37, with 6.9 points, 28 yards on 7 carries, and adds 36 yards on 5 catches in this one. Keenan Allen, 99 yards on 9 catches. And Mike Williams, wide receiver 18, with 15.1 points, 71 yards, 4 catches, and a touchdown. Hunter Henry, just 29 yards on 2 catches. I mean, just a... A rough season all around for the Chargers. I think we can be honest. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I posted a a tweet earlier today about this. They have a lot of questions on this offense going into the offseason. Will they bring Phillip Rivers back? What's going to happen with Eckler and Gordon? I mean, everybody assumes Gordon's going to be gone due to the fact that they chose not to pay him. Well, they haven't paid Austin Eckler either, who has obviously been really good and was really good earlier in the season in Melvin Gordon's absence. All three of those guys have a chance to be gone, and they will go into free agency. I can't imagine any of them get franchise tags. So this offense in general has a lot of questions around it. That being said, moving in to Week 16 Championship Week, they do get the Raiders, which is a team that can be beat, probably be a home game for the Raiders. Who knows? I mean, it is in Los Angeles, but those have mostly been road games anyways for the Chargers. Who are you trusting going into this final matchup for the Chargers? Well, I mean, I think we've talked about before, Allen, Hunter, Henry, Gordon, and Eckler are all in play. I don't know if you necessarily trust any of them. This team seems to have really regressed a little bit the last few weeks, and I don't know if it's uh, continued close losses and seeing the season really slip away, but uh, to have gone from where they were a year ago, 12-4, and to what they look like now is is pretty shocking. Um, you wouldn't expect the Raiders or defense is going to be able to disrupt them as much as you know Minnesota did on Sunday, but the Chargers just haven't haven't clicked very well. Um, you know that's that's my biggest fear right now. Rivers has seemed a little bit like a liability in a way that I don't think I ever remember thinking, uh, you know, up to this point. It almost feels a little bit uh, like what you would have said about 
Eli last year with the Giants, who had a lot of talented pieces in like an Evan Ingram and a Sterling Shepard and a Odell Beckham Jr. and a Saquon Barkley that you'd love to be able to play based on their talent. But you could just never feel confident that their offense was going to click or fall apart. Right. I feel like that's where we're at with the Chargers a little bit now. They have five good offensive pieces. Mike Williams, I'd even throw in there. Yeah. You don't know which one's going to be featured from week to week or which couple, which is a little bit of a frustration. And you also don't know, are they going to be able to sustain drives? Are they going to be able to score or are they going to start turning the ball over? You know, getting yards in fantasy is great. Getting receptions and yards is great. But if you lose out on those scoring opportunities, which feels like what's happened the last few weeks, that can make a big swing. So, you know, and I don't know, Austin Eckler probably helped power a lot of teams that were in the playoffs, possibly in in the championship round. I know a couple of the teams that I have that are playing for a championship had um, Eckler as a big part of that. But I don't know how good you feel about him now because he's splitting and it's real boom bust with whether he's going to get touchdowns or huge plays in the passing game. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something we dive more into in the offseason as well in this team because uh, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't – I understand everything Phillip Rivers has done for this franchise. I, um, I've i been on the side of I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl. I, I think he's been a really good quarterback for a long time, but I, I would be extremely surprised if the Chargers bring him back next year with the play that he's had this year. I don't know – it just doesn't even – I don't even think you can blame the offense because the offensive line hasn't been that bad. And as you mentioned, they have a ton of great players. So I, I don't know how you can put most of this on anybody but Phillip Rivers, unfortunately. It would be it would be stunning for, to me to see him come back. And then, like I said, running back position, what are you doing? Moving forward into that championship round, I do think you can trust Keenan Allen. I actually think you kind of trust Mike Williams now at this point. He seemed to break that seal and not scoring touchdowns. He's got touchdowns two weeks in a row. I think he's fine going forward, and I am with you on Eckler. I think you kind of have to throw him in there because of what he's done for you all season, but I'm not feeling good about it with him or Gordon in this matchup against the Raiders. Next up, a game that I did not expect to go the way it did at all, and the Cowboys just destroying the Rams 44-21, to and it wasn't even that close. Like, this was a beatdown from the start. The Rams getting, uh, like I said, just 21 points. Goff, 33 for 51, 284 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. In this one to come in at QB 14 with 18.6. Todd Gurley saves his day due to touchdowns. RB10 with 19.3 points, 20 yards, one touchdown uh, on 11 carries, and then 18 yards on three catches and a touchdown in the receiving game. Cooper Cup, wide receiver 26 with 13.10 points, 41 yards and a touchdown on six catches. Brandon Cooks has an emergence after doing nothing most of the season. Wide receiver 51 with 6.6 points. That's that's probably the best you can expect out of, out of Cooks at this point. 46 yards on four catches. And then Tyler Higby continues to be a viable tight end replacement for Jordan, uh, Jordan Everett. My goodness, Gerald Everett. 111 yards on 12 catches. Tight end three with 17.1 points. Kind of surprised Robert Woods didn't do much in this one. He has been the more consistent player here as of late. The Rams, while not technically eliminated, need to win out and need some help. They have a tough game Saturday night here against the 49ers. I don't know who you can trust on this offense going in again. They're on the road here, which Goff has been consistently horrible all season long on the road, actually throughout his entire career on the road. So on the road against a good 49ers defense, I don't know if I trust Todd Gurley. I I mean... Woods, maybe. Cooks, I can't trust Cooks. Cup, one good game here of late. Tyler Higby seems to be the most consistent player here on this offense. If Gerald Everett is out, he's probably the one guy I trust putting in my lineup. Yeah, and either this game or the one we're going to talk about in a minute have to be the most shocking outcome from Week 15 because there was a lot of people that thought uh, Dallas would lose this one I, I thought Dallas might win at home, but I don't think anybody expected a blowout. And if you were going to say Dallas was going to do a blowout the way they did it, essentially getting next to nothing from their big receivers, 
is even more shocking. But the Rams, I don't know how good you can feel in San Francisco on Saturday night. I mean, San Francisco, when they played the Rams in Los Angeles, held Jared Goff to 78 yards passing and destroyed Todd Gurley, too. The Rams' offensive line isn't very good, which is a problem. The San Francisco pass rush is pretty darn good, which is going to be a problem for them. Um, you're right about Higby seems to be the, you know, the one that uh, is the most reliable, and, and he's just killing it in targets. I mean, 14 targets, catches 12 balls. Um, it, last I saw, it didn't look like Everett was really tracking to play, so he might be the safest play, which is shocking in and of itself. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say on Higby, too, uh, I'd imagine there's no way he's available on your waiver wire, especially in Dynasty Leagues, but I actually think Higby might be the tight end of the future here. A lot of people, I don't know if they remember that Sean McVay actually drafted Tyler Higby. Like, that was his very first draft pick ever with this organization. Uh, And they gave him a big contract uh, extension early this season. Some people wondered, uh, you know, why that happened, especially with the season Everett had kind of in the middle, but... They like Higby, um, and I think we're seeing a little bit of maybe why they wanted to invest in him. Yeah, and I would not be surprised if they I, – I, you can't say not go back to Everett. I imagine he'll still be on the team, but I would not be surprised if Higby starts to emerge and becomes that Gerald Everett we saw earlier in the season and continues to roll with it because he's been just as good, if not better, than Gerald Everett so far when, uh, once Everett went down with the injury. On the Cowboys side, you mentioned it. Thank God none of those wide receivers did anything. Amari Cooper is making me look smart again, and I love it. But we'll get to him in a minute. Dak yeah, Prescott. Well, he's playing the Eagles this week, so you I might know. Wait no, no, no. Shh, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. He's going to prove me right again, I hope. It's probably not going to happen. 15-23 for Dak, 212 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he comes in at QB 17 with 17.7 points. Zeke has a huge day. Uh, feels like the first one in a long time. Goes over 100 yards on the ground, I believe, for the first time in the past six games. 117 yards, two touchdowns on 24 carries. Adds 43 yards on three catches. He comes in as RB4 with 29.5 points. Tony Pollard uh, registers in the top 10 as well this week. Uh, RB9 with 21.3 points. 131 yards on 12 carries and one touchdown. Does get 12 yards on two catches. And the best wide receiver on the day, Tavon Austin. One catch for 59 yards and a touchdown. I'm sure everybody had him in their fantasy lineups. Wide receiver 28 with 12.7 points. Got extremely lucky as the defenders did run into each other, and he was wide open. Uh, And then Jason Witten makes a nice one-handed touchdown grab as well in this one. Tied in nine with 11.6 points. 36 yards, one touchdown, four catches. Amari Cooper just one catch for 19 yards. Gallup one catch for six yards. So as you mentioned, they did all of this without either one of those guys contributing likely is going to be completely different going into this Eagles matchup, which is huge. This is likely going to decide who wins the NFC East. They are in Philly. Dallas beat them pretty handily when they played all the way back. Uh, I don't remember what week it was, but they won like 37 to 10 or 13, something like that. Like yeah. they, they beat up on the Eagles. So you do expect Amari to have a bounce back game here. And Michael Gallup seems like every wide receiver going against the Eagles has a big game here. What worries me is Zeke. Eagles defense, very, very good against the run here. So what do you, I mean, you have to play Zeke, right? But what are you expecting out of Zeke? And I know we'll let you talk about Amari Cooper since you are such a big Amari Cooper fan. Yeah, well, I mean, just kind of an interesting performance from Dallas. I I thought it was fitting that since the Rams signed Austin to a huge contract and then forgot he played for them uh, with the way they called plays, that their defense also forgot he was still playing football uh, when he (laughs) lined up against him. I mean, you could have gone in for a touchdown with the space that uh, Javon Austin was afforded in that game. I feel like I'd have been winded after I caught the ball. I would have been winded after I caught the ball. Probably would have been tackled around the three or four, more than likely. But, uh, yeah, you would figure. So the Eagles have been terrible. Um, I know that they won on Sunday, but they trailed most of that game to a Redskins team that has not looked good. I think we were making jokes about Dwayne Haskins and having no passing offense, and he – 
he looked like Patrick Mahomes against the Eagles last week. So, you know, Dallas has not been great on the road, but this Eagles defense has a huge fundamental flaw. And this is really for all the marbles. You know, I think it made sense. They leaned on Elliott um, in this last game. He is, you know, one of their best players and they, they had really had a must win game and they wanted to set the tone, but yeah, you know, I think what you're hoping for with Zeke is, is a little bit of what you saw for Adrian Peterson, who got a little bit of traction and was able to get a touchdown when they were in the red zone, you know, what able to will himself into the end zone against the Eagles. If Dallas can, can throw real well to open things up, which, you know, they're capable of, they have three uh, pretty good receivers, not even counting Tavon Austin with, you know, Cobb, Cooper and Gallup, um, you know, we saw Jason Witten looked really solid and helped them get started on Sunday. I think that may be your best hope for opening up a little bit for Elliott, but expecting 117 and two touchdowns is, is foolhardy. You know, we've seen some people, if, if he can get in and he can get a goal line score, he can help make your day. You're not taking him out of your lineup yeah. uh, because of who he is, but uh, it's definitely not going to be as easy as it was against the Rams. Yeah, that's the unfortunate part because I'm in a couple championship games and I have Zeke on my roster and I'm not liking my chances right now with him going up against that stout Eagles front. Uh, Let's see here. Falcons and 49ers, which was the game that you were talking about probably being the most surprising result of the weekend here. Falcons pulling a huge upset here at um, or on the road in San Francisco winning 29-22. to Matt Ryan, 25 of 39, 210 yards and two touchdowns in this one. Does get 27 yards rushing as well to come in at QB 10 with 19.1 points. Devonta Freeman, RB 38 with 6.5 points, 39 yards on 12 carries, adds 16 yards on two catches. Julio Jones, 134 yards, two touchdowns, 13 catches to come in as wide receiver two with 31.9 points. Austin Hooper continues to be slowly worked back into this one, 20 yards on three catches. I mean, Julio, 20 targets in this one is just ridiculous them doing everything they can to possibly try and save dan quinn's job they get the jacksonville jaguars next week is it just julio and matt ryan that you're trusting for this falcons offense probably depending on where you're at at tight end i mean i still like cooper he was so good early in the season has had such a connection with Matt Ryan, uh, maybe playing, you know, we saw what Darren Waller just did to Jacksonville. Um, so there might be some space uh, for the tight end to do some things. So he's somebody I'm not totally letting go of, but we've, we've talked about Freeman quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, they're not getting a lot of volume and production on the ground. You have to rely on him either getting touchdown or a lot of volume in the passing game to really, make that work that's not a great recipe for success uh, in championship week yeah no not at all I'm, I'm with you for me I I guess it does depend on what you have at tight end I would not be shocked I mean I, in my opinion Hooper had that touchdown I, I know that they they reversed yeah. it and Julio ends up getting it on the I think it was like two plays later or whatever in my opinion Hooper scored the touchdown it would be a completely different day obviously had that not gotten overturned so I'm with you I, I should have mentioned that I'm with you I, I do think Hooper is, is a good play next week as well for the 49ers side here, Jimmy G, just 22 of 34, 200 yards and a touchdown. Comes in as QB 27 with 12.6 points. And then really, it just was two players for this offense here. Raheem Mostert, who continues to be the best running back on this team. 54 yards on 14 carries and one touchdown. Uh, adds just one catch for five yards to come in as running back 20 with 12.4 points. Uh, Matt Breida does do a decent job here with... Er, not, was he was he nope I'm thinking of the wrong person here wrong game I apologize forget I said any of that Tevin Coleman Tevin yeah Tevin Coleman does give the 40 yards on four uh four rushes but doesn't do anything else outside of that George Kittle though 134 yards on 13 catches 17 targets 17 the next closest Emmanuel Sanders with four it's ridiculous how good George Kittle is and how much he is the guy in this offense. I thought Debo would have a good game. I talked about it on Friday's podcast. I apologize if you guys played him because he did nothing. Just one catch for 29 yards in this one. 
So, with that being said, we just talked about it. They are playing the Rams on Saturday night at home in the Bay. I think it's Mostert and Kittle, and that's it. As much as I like Debo, he has had a couple bad games here in a row. It seems like this offense is being funneled through those two guys. Those are the only two guys I'm playing in championship week. Yeah, I'm on pass catchers. Samuel Bourne and Sanders have kind of rotated having big games, but I don't think you can feel comfortable relying on them. I like Mostert. He seems to have taken the top role. It does scare me a little bit. He had a lost fumble, and that's when it seemed like Coleman went in and then had a couple of big plays. He does get 40 yards on those four carries. 37 came on one play, though, so kind of hard to read a lot into that. So Mostert and Kittle, um, I think we obviously just saw the Rams get destroyed on the ground by the Cowboys, who had 200-yard rushers. So, you know, there might be some appeal uh, in deeper league flex options among either Brita or Coleman, but Mm -hmm. Mostert is the one that seems to have the most consistent role and to be the hot one right now. Yeah, that that right there, just continuing that off-season discussion stuff that we'll do uh, as the off-season comes at. That's going to be some really interesting questions to talk about there with San Francisco because they have a ton of running backs and what happens there with Mostert, Coleman, Breida, and everybody seems to forget about McKinnon who's been on IR all year. Could be very interesting what they end up doing with some of those running backs. The Sunday night football game, the Buffalo Bills back on Sunday night for the first time in a long time, and they win the game 17-10 to all on their defense. The first time the Bills have gotten to 10 wins since I think it was like 1990 or 1991, something like that. Uh, been a long time. Good for them. I was hoping that they would uh, continue their run and make the playoffs, uh, and they have done that and actually have a huge game this week against the Patriots, and if they win that one could end up possibly taking the division away from the Patriots. They would need the Patriots to lose to Miami, but the Patriots seem to lose to Miami every single year, so maybe there's a shot at that. Josh Allen. It's magic. Yeah, hey, I'm well, I'm not playing in any Week 17 matchups, but you know I do have him, and I'm hoping for a big game out of him this week. Josh Allen goes 13 to 25, 139 yards, one touchdown, one interception, gets you 28 yards on the ground, and a touchdown there as well to come in at QB 18 with 17.4 points. Devin Singletary continues to be really good. 87 yards on 21 carries, just the two yards on two catches, though, uh, in the receiving game. Comes in at running back 35 with 7.9 points. And then John Brown, 99 yards on seven catches. Gets you uh, 13.4 points, finishing as wide receiver 25. A little bit disappointing there. I thought he'd have a bigger game. I did say, I believe on the podcast Friday, that I thought he'd go at least 100 yards and a touchdown. Doesn't get the touchdown, just one yard short of that. So still has a good game if you played him. I was hoping for a little bit more. That being said, they do get the Patriots this week. Obviously, phenomenal defense. They are playing in Foxborough, which is not an easy place to go and win either. I would imagine Brown's going to be on Gilmore. If he is, Allen didn't have a good game either against the Patriots. I mean, what would you be doing with any of these Bills players going into the championship week? Yeah, I mean, your temptation is to still play Josh Allen because of his rushing and stuff. But he he struggled against the Patriots. If you have better options... At QB uh, or in two QB leagues, I actually rotated him out in a two QB league where I had been starting him in favor of Drew Locke this week because, you know, Locke is at home against Detroit. And Josh Allen, you know, he's had a fine season. He's a good NFL talent, but this is not going to be a great matchup. You know, it was a low scoring game on Sunday night. It may seem like a track meet compared to what we're going to see on Saturday uh, with that Bills Patriots game. Singletary's probably the only solid play in my opinion. It's hard to trust any receivers against that secondary for the same reason it's hard to trust a quarterback. Um, If you have seen anybody have uh, success, I mean, we saw Mixon just destroy New England's uh, front seven, even though Cincinnati didn't have a good game and got blown out. Joe Mixon was had a great day for you. So Singletary would probably be the one uh, if I had to rely on a bill yeah. that I would feel the best about. 
I actually agree with that because I was also going to bring up Nick Chubb actually had a really good game against the Patriots as well. Had he not fumbled the ball twice and he took that one huge run that fumbled it, I think the the Patriots can be beat on the ground. So I'm with you. Singletary is the one guy for sure I'm locking in my lineup. You know, Josh Allen maybe has a better day. I mean, I think the game finished 10 to 9 or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Josh yeah. Allen got knocked out in that game, though, and didn't end up coming in. I still think they had a chance to win that game. Had uh, I don't even remember who their backup quarterback was. It was at this sixteen point. to ten. Sixteen to ten. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean the Bills were driving, and who was it? I can't remember now, and it's going to drive it's me Matt crazy. Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley. I think he got and really kind of cost him the game in that one. Not necessarily all his fault. He did get so hit. It was in the ball kind of early up. up, but Josh Allen. You know, we've seen him all year have a tendency to have turnover issues at yeah. time. And that was what really killed him. If you're playing in a league where you don't get negative points for turnovers, then he's probably a safer play. But the first time he played the Patriots, he threw for 153, but was picked off three times and he ran for 26 and was able to get a touchdown. But you know, those three interceptions in a fantasy with middling yardage will really drop you back. But in that game, that uh, Singletary, I don't think, played in that game. Frank Gore carried yeah, 17 times for yeah. 109. Uh, the way Singletary's been going, if, if Gore could get 109 on that defense in early October, I cannot wait to see what Singletary's going to get against that defense in December. Yeah, I'm with you on Singletary. And he, that was back when he hurt his hamstring, I believe. He was in the game yep. before that or in that game. So then he came out and it was all Frank Gore. I'm with you. Singletary has been phenomenal. He really has all season long. So he is he's the guy there. For, for the Steelers side here, I really don't feel like there's much we can talk about. We don't even know if Duck Hodges is going to be playing next week. Uh, Mike Tomlin has come out and said he's not going to commit to a starter right now. But Hodges goes 23 of 38. 202 yards, one touchdown, four interceptions. Comes in at QB 29 with 8.5 points. James Conner's first game back, 42 yards eight on eight carries. Adds uh, nine yards and a touchdown on four catches. Comes in at running back 18 with 13.1 points. James Washington, though, continues his good connection with, with Duck Hodges. 83 yards on five catches. To come in at wide receiver 34 with 10.8 points. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 50 with 6.7 points. 62 yards on five catches. Regardless, Duck Hodges, Mason Rudolph, however, which whichever way you want to take it, uh, Pittsburgh goes into a matchup with the Jets, so a very good matchup. They need to win to stay in the playoff hunt. Uh, you, like I said, take it either way. Whether you think Hodges is going to stay in there or they put Rudolph back in, uh, who are they, you going to uh, play? They committed to Hodges today. They did? Okay, I did not yeah. see that. Last I saw, Mike Tomlin was saying he wasn't going to commit to anybody. So we know then I guess Duck is going to be in there. For me, it's Washington – as a flex option, that's about the best I see him as. I know the Jets' bad defense. I'm still only saying flex option for him. Uh, and I honestly say the same thing for Connor. I think he's just a flex option. The one thing about the Jets is they do still have a very good run defense. So I would think both of those guys have chances uh, to put up about flex-worthy numbers here this week in championship week. Yeah, Connor. hopefully, you know, will continue to get more workload and stuff that it was a weird game flow because considering it was uh, 17 to 10 and that Pittsburgh led 10, seven through three quarters, only eight carries for Connor doesn't feel like, uh, like very much. They've had kind of a weird offense. Um, I haven't seen whether they think uh, Juju might come back um, to me. That would, that would make me a little bit nervous about relying on any of the receivers because, uh if we see their target shares or opportunities get split, it's not like they have incredibly reliable target shares and yeah. splits right now. On Juju, so. the last uh, the last thing that I saw was that he had a setback on his knee injury again. So I would imagine with that happening, he, there's no way he's out there. I could be wrong, but I did yeah. see that that happened on, I believe it was yesterday's practice or today's practice. He had another setback with the knee injury. So then I would be with you, probably Connor and Washington, depending on what your options are. Okay. The last game, which really wasn't much of a game here, the Colts and the Saints. Just a, the Colts, men have really fallen apart here in the second half of the season. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of it due to the injuries, uh, but that raised another interesting question. 
uh, earlier today with what the Colts might end up doing with Jacoby Brissett is they did only sign him to a two-year contract. So there could be another team that might be making some moves here in the offseason. Brissett goes 18-34, just 165 yards. He finishes the day as a QB 31 with seven points. Jordan Wilkins, 10 yards uh, on three rece- or three reception, three rushes, and a touchdown to be the best running back on the day. RB34 with 8.2 points. Marlon Mack just 19 yards on 11 carries in this one. Zach Pascal, 44 yards on four catches to come in as wide receiver 52 with 6.4 points. The Colts get the Panthers, a team that can be run all over, as we've seen here the past couple weeks. So with that being said, is it just Marlon Mack for you in the championship round with the Colts? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, I'd be interested in T.Y. Hilton because, uh, you know, I think he has um, a lot of talent. That's one of the reasons I feel like Brissett maybe getting a little bit of an unfair shake. Would Andrew yeah, Luck have I been agree. that much better considering, you know, the receivers he's primarily had to do, work with the last couple of weeks have been Pascal, Marcus Johnson, Dontrell Inman. I mean, everybody that they had uh, signed, you know, they signed Devin Funches to a big free agent deal. He got lost early in the season. They drafted Paris Campbell. He's had trouble staying on the field. They have T.Y. Hilton. He's barely been available. They signed Eric Ebron. He's been out. You know, it it's too many injuries to overcome. And now they're, they're struggling to open up holes uh, and to run. Um, you know, to have a balanced attack. They were going really well when they were able to run and sustain the run and then be able to pass off of it with some of their weapons. I think it's just, you know, too many injuries and a lot, kind of a little bit of a lost season. They've been eliminated now. Yeah. See if they play with a little bit of juice uh, to end the season to try to get some momentum. I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted somebody uh, to look at, but I, I don't know if Jacoby Brissett, you know, if has warranted you wanting to go and who's even a big free agent they might be able to make a run at, you know, I, I don't think this is all on Brissett. Um, the, you know, the Colts have had problems on both sides of the ball. I mean, they couldn't stop new Orleans at all last night either. Uh, you know, they're deep kind of disintegrated. Their offense has struggled to sustain drives. Um, you know, better times ahead, hopefully for them and our friend, uh, Tony. Yeah, unfortunately, I feel like uh, Tony gets to to join our uh, pain and torture on the season now. As, as all three of our teams, it seems, have uh, just not had good news. And Dennis is too, really. Dennis being a, yeah. a mainly a Detroit Lions fan, this podcast has not had a great NFL season for sure. Basically, uh, the message is: if you're a if you contribute to this podcast, you should expect pain and suffering for your yeah. NFL team. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just wonderful for all of us. Makes us it makes you know, it makes talking about fantasy so much more fun when your teams suck, I guess. Uh, it does make me want to win more, so I at least have something to cheer about at the end of the season. So maybe that's what makes me a decent fantasy analyst. Let's see there here. You go. The the Saints, Drew Brees breaks uh, Peyton Manning's uh, passing touchdown record. I don't imagine that I know there's a lot of talk about Tom they were talking about it on the countdown show. Tom Brady's right there with him. I don't see any way Tom Brady catches him, especially with the way their offense is playing compared to New Orleans. So I would imagine this is Drew Brees' record to hold for quite a long time, at least until Patrick Mahomes hits year year five, and then he's probably going to pass him with with the way that that kid plays. Joking, of course. Uh, Drew Brees, just one incompletion on the night, which is just ridiculous. 29 of 30, 307 yards and four touchdowns. Continues his run of a good QB of late, finishing as QB3 on the week with, um, oh, sorry, excuse me, 28.3 points. Alvin Kamara, RB23, with 11.4 points in this one, 66 yards on 14 carries. Uh, doesn't do a whole lot here in the receiving game here. Was he the one who dropped it? It was Latavius Murray that dropped the one pass. Uh, so Kamara, the 23 yards on five catches. Michael Thomas, though, continues to be the best wide receiver in the league. I don't even think that's a conversation anymore. Wide receiver three with 24.8 points, 128 yards, catches all 12 of his targets for one touchdown, and is just 11 catches away from breaking Marvin Harrison's record as well, which I think is going to happen. We talked about it a little while back on if he could do it. I think it's really going to happen now with with the games that he's put together the past few weeks. The Saints have a uh, 
Good game here this week, the Titans and Championship Week. Titans defense played plays very good. They're, they're a little bit above middle of the pack here against the pass uh, and their run. So we're going into Championship Week. With the way Drew Brees has been playing, are you willing to throw him in at quarterback? Obviously, Michael Thomas is in, but what are you thinking about Jared Cook and I would say Brees because you're playing Kamara and Thomas. Yeah, but Kamara probably is middling RB2. Uh, We just aren't seeing the touchdowns. We aren't seeing the big plays. Um, It's been kind of a bummer. As somebody who really likes him and likes his talent, I don't know if he's just not been healthy or they haven't been able to figure out how to make it work. Um, Just has not seemed like the same player. Thomas is a no-brainer start. Jared Cook probably is in that realm of tight end where it depends on what your other options are. I mean, the one that that I have wished I had the guts to play more often is Taysom Hill, who seems to have a knack for finding the end zone. I think it was our friend Dennis made a joke. Is he the official wide receiver too for the saints? And it might be true. He just with all the different ways they try to get him the ball championship week, probably not the time to, to roll that out, but he's somebody I had stocked up on as a lark in a lot of leagues that I'm yeah. actually considering next year, whether that's a decent deep league flex play. Um, but yeah, breeze, uh, should be a pretty decent matchup. I mean, we saw Deshaun Watson and um, Hopkins have, play pretty well in Tennessee last week. I believe this game is uh, the home is home for New Orleans, or are they on the road? They must be on the road. They are on the road. Um, yes, they're on the road against the Titans. But Tennessee, you know, doesn't have incredible home field advantage. So, yeah. and the, you know, the greatest thing is Michael Thomas probably wants to get that record. But New Orleans, given the fact that there are four teams in the NFC with eleven wins. He's going to have to play strong to the end. I mean, this is every fantasy player's dream. All of these great teams with all these great players, no one can take their foot off the gas because everybody's so bunched up at the top. They're going to have to play it out. So you don't really have to worry about some of the landmines you usually have to dodge in championship week. Yeah, that that is definitely one of the things that works for you this year. In all honesty, if you play in a Week 17 matchup, that's probably going to work out well for you this year as well, especially if you own a bunch of NFC players with as well, or with the way that seeding has worked. Really, the AFC too, actually. I I think so many teams are in it, you're not going to see a lot of people benching. Maybe Baltimore is like the one team I can think of. Maybe they don't play Lamar Jackson the whole game. I still don't think... Yeah, because if they win on Sunday, they clinch the number one seed. So they're the one team that you might see week 17 take their foot off the gas yeah and I still think they play a little bit because the one thing I've always argued I know teams used to do it in the past but as of recent years I don't think a lot of teams are not are going to bench players for the entire game because then if you have that buy you're looking at not playing for three weeks and that is a big deal when it comes to the NFL so maybe Lamar and Ingram Andrews those guys play a half which with the way that offense has looked, that may be more than enough points to win you a week if you're playing in Week 17. So uh, this year, nothing to worry about on that end. Matt, uh, obviously, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm looking forward to Thursday. We're going to do a little bit of playoff talk, and then we are going to preview. There's three games on this Saturday, which is pretty cool. No Thursday night game this week, but three Saturday games. So me, you, and Tony will be on Thursday. We're going to preview all the Saturday games and then kind of go through the playoffs and give our uh, projections and who we think is going to make it and all that stuff. So I'm looking forward to talking to you guys on Thursday. Have yourself a great Tuesday and Wednesday, and I will talk to you then. Sounds good. Have a great night. Who can make a break? I can! Who can make a break? I can!